Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Doc's Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. In this episode, we will talk about one of the most iconic sci-fi movies of all time, 1979's Alien, starring Sigourney Weaver. And somehow, in the course of talking about this movie, we also managed to talk about aliens again, venoms, and robots. Maybe we should have saved this for the end of the season. Oh, well. We will cover worms, tumor fluid, and robots filled with milk. Enjoy! Okay, Jeepo, let's go to rounds. All right, so today we're going to talk about parasites, um, and specifically as it relates to the 1979 movie Alien, which is one of the um, most famous and most important, I would say, sci-fi movies, especially in that sort of early time. Because Star Wars yeah. only came out a couple of years before that. and I think it did a lot to establish kind of what we think of as like sci-fi movie aesthetic. Especially like space, like outer yeah. space language, yeah. visual it's language. It's highly iconic. Like a lot of the visual language, like you said, is yes. very, it's very iconic. And as we were talking about uh, before we started recording, a lot of the actors in it uh, have had very good careers as in movies like lord of the rings and harry potter and then sigourney weaver is great i did not realize this movie was from 41 years ago and she's like still killing it um Jeez, is it 41 years 41 yeah, years ago impressive it's a long time and she was like it's a long time good stuff still um so specifically we're going to be talking about parasites because the alien in alien um yep. is a xenomorph right that's what the like how would you say that's what kind I of species they're alien they species is just what they're called xenomorphs. xenomorphs. Yeah. Um, is has like a parasitic type of life cycle. Um, and so we were going to we're going to talk about how parasites work in our world and timeline <laughs> um, and then and also how they work in the that. future. And <laughs> once, how they just, work, once we discover xenomorphs, <laughs> how they discover work in Ridley Scott's <laughs> alien. Um, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and so why don't we start with just talking about how parasites even work? Yeah. So parasites are basically, like, broadly are organisms that depend on a host, um, usually for some part of their life cycle. And specifically, they have to bring some kind of harm to the host. Because there's a lot of, like, different kinds of symbiotic relationships where maybe one animal depends on another. But if they're actively... If neither one of them gets hurt, I guess. Yeah. Or if they like help each other or whatever, it's not a parasite. Right. Like those fish that like, There's eat, like mutualism. eat stuff off of other whales. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Fish yeah. that eat like stuff off of sharks. Remoras and stuff. Yes. We're not right, marine biologists. I don't know. This is. <laughs> We're not animal. <laughs> this is like watching National Geographic. General. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are not parasites. <laughs> yeah. And so like normal parasites, and by normal, I mostly mean in real life current earth and not future ridley scott earth mm -hmm. um they there are six kind of major strategies that parasites have and these are considered adaptive peaks and that there might be variations on all of these strategies um but multiple different 
parasites essentially evolved towards one of these six strategies. And they're classified basically on how they interact with their hosts, when in their life cycle they interact with them, how many hosts are involved, the effect on host reproduction, which in like um, biology terms we call fitness, Mm. and then whether or not the effect depends on intensity, which just means like how many parasites are involved required to have like some kind of effect like one to many and so the six we're just going to go briefly through them we're not going to go into a lot of detail but the six different strategies are the first one is the one that sounds the most metal but it's parasitic castration (laughs) which just means that the host can't reproduce for whatever reason either because the parasite attacks the like reproductive cells or does something specifically to the reproductive system that makes it so that the host can no longer reproduce. So it reduces host fitness. Um, there's directly transmitted parasitism, which means that it doesn't require some kind of intermediate vector to bring it to the host. Ah. There's trophically transmitted parasitism, which means that the host eats it in some form or another. And in these kinds of life cycles you usually require multiple hosts often of different species. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. Yeah. And then there's also vector transmitted parasitism, which generally relies on some kind of intermediate um, to carry them from one host to another. So like mosquito-borne illnesses, for example. And then there's... Or, like, um, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then there's also parasitoidism or parasitoids, <laughs> which basically are parasites you that will kill, kill their, their hosts. Host sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> sooner or later. <laughs> and then micropredation, which means that the parasite attacks more than one host. And these are often parasites that serve as vectors for smaller parasites. So like mosquitoes, again, are an example of ah. micropredators. Um, so those are the six like evolutionary peak strategies for parasites. And basically, anytime you talk about parasites, they will fit under one of those umbrellas, generally. Um, but in terms of people, there are kind of a few routes that we think of, like to simplify. In, in people, we think of getting parasites through a few routes. You yeah. get them through um, contact with animals, like they go from one animal to you. You get them from bugs, like mosquitoes. You get them from water, like drinking unfiltered or... Um, dirty water, stagnant water. And then there's the fecal oral route or you get them from food, which basically just means that like there's poop everywhere on all surfaces. At all times, always. And if you eat some of it, you might get a parasite. Might get a parasite. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like when we talk about um, organisms that cause infection, like we think about organisms and the human body as like, does it cause an infection or not? We think about viruses, bacteria, and parasites. Yep. I feel like parasites are the most complicated, but the ones that we probably deal with the the least on a regular basis in this country. Right. You know, whereas like bacteria, you kind of get viruses, you kind of get. We all understand. But parasites, that viruses I feel are like, everywhere. are an entire different category um, that uh, is uh, important. So, uh, so yeah, so there are three sort of main categories of parasite. I'll briefly talk about ectoparasites are things like ticks, fleas, lice. So they like, you know, are are organisms that kind of like suck on your blood. They do like rely on you for some part of their like nutrition or whatever. Um, but we're not really going to talk about those today. Yeah, they, they live kind on of, the surface. It's ecto. So they're on the outside of your body. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about lice at some point. Um, then there are protozoa which are one-celled organisms. And I'll briefly talk about this because probably the most like important parasite in the world 
generally is mal- is the is the parasite that causes malaria, which is called Plasmodium uh, falciparum. Do you say falciparum or falciparum? I say falciparum. You say falciparum. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But that is the that is the uh, parasite that actually causes um, the disease malaria, which is very important because it kills like half a million people around the world <laughs> every year, um, and is very especially in um, tropical countries. Uh, warmer countries, everybody knows about malaria. So it is a, it can be a fatal disease, though it does have treatment and stuff like that. And yeah. the basic. And it is interesting because people, everybody knows about malaria, but I don't think everybody necessarily knows that it's caused by a parasite. Because you just think about like, you hear about like, oh, you get it from mosquitoes. You think about right? the mosquitoes. Like you think about that. So you think about the mosquitoes and you don't actually know that it's because there is now a one celled parasite inside of your blood yeah and the the parasite's just like hey guys i'm like doing all the work here whereas the mosquito Mosquito is the one that gets all the the attention (laughs) um but yeah so basically i mean so the general way and malaria is it is actually quite complicated how it works like in the body um but uh the basic way it works is that like the mosquito bites you then the part of the parasite that's, that the mosquito has because it picked it up from somebody else um, goes into your body. It goes into your liver specifically. It multiplies a bunch of liver cells. It at all of these points, the parasite sort of changes. So it goes through like different stages of development. So it goes through some stages of development and then becomes something called a schizont, which is a great word. Um, and then that goes into no, your I blood, say and then it goes. Then what happens is the part that causes the real badness, which is it it gets into your red blood cells multiplies and then it makes your red blood cells explode Hmm. Um, yeah i mean it goes into your red blood cells like and you can see it on a microscope like that's how you can diagnose it it's Um, fascinating and terrible yeah and then it explodes and then there's more of them and then it goes into more cells and then eventually um some sort of like an egg-ish type version of it uh gets formed (laughs) and then it goes in that's in your blood and then another mosquito can pick it up if it comes and bites you and takes your blood and then it goes to another person so um we just wanted to talk about that briefly just because it is a parasite and it's malaria and lots and lots and lots of people have malaria and it's really interesting yeah but i'm sure we'll talk about it in more detail the one i think that's more applicable to in some ways to the xenomorph in alien is helminths or worms yep we're just gonna say worms because um so we're going to talk about two main worms so as most people know there's something called a tapeworm um and the one i'll talk about is called tinea solium um and that is the uh pork tapeworm so this is something that you can get from eating um undercooked or uncooked pork um and for this one basically the way it works is that humans are like the definitive host and pigs are the secondary host of the pork tapeworm um right. and the and animals definitive themselves host, those terms basically just mean like a definitive host is the host in which the parasite reproduces and a secondary host is a host that like supports part of the life cycle but it's a sexually immature part of it yeah um so a person who has so here's the are you ready for all the gross stuff about worms oh yeah we're about to tell you a lot of gross stuff about worms it so if really that's gonna gross. weird you out then Maybe skip forward to 15 minutes. (laughs) Some some number of minutes. And if 15 minutes has gone by and we're still talking about worms, then keep going. Um, So uh, so the tapeworm, 
uh, well, the pork tapeworm. So there's, they can come from different animals. Specifically, we're talking about tinea solium, which is in pork. There are other species that come from like beef and mostly those two things. So a person with an adult tapeworm, so it lives in your gut and it sheds eggs into your stool. Um, and the, that infection itself is called like tiniasis. Um, and these adult uh, tapeworms can be like two to three meters long. So we're talking about like two to three meters, which is like it's just terrible. A little more than six feet of worm just like in your gut. Um, and the way that it happens is so a, your your you have it. The eggs come out in your stool. Somehow the pig gets the eggs in the stool. The eggs develop into larvae inside the pigs and can form cysts in the pig's muscles or other tissues. Um, and then you can swallow like those cysts and things when you eat them. Um, and then you can get more tapeworms and all that stuff in your gut. So the great thing about it is most of the time people who have this don't really have that many symptoms. <laughs> you said the great thing about it. <laughs> well, you, sometimes people will have sort of just like vague abdominal symptoms, like a little bit of nausea, abdominal pain, abdominal discomfort. You might have some weight loss. Some people can have more severe symptoms like significant weight loss or vomiting or loss of appetite, that sort of thing. Here's a question. I, yeah. Is it great that it doesn't cause symptoms? I or think is it's great. the worst because then you don't know and there's just a worm living inside of you? I don't – here's the thing. <laughs> that The question you're asking is would you be more freaked out if you felt totally fine and then you suddenly saw a worm in your poop? Or, Versus if you felt sick and then there was a worm. Yeah. I feel like I would, the first I would rather feel kind of sick and then there be a worm. Then be like, oh Honestly. my gosh, I didn't know I had Because a worm. I think if I started feeling sick, I would like to think that I would be like, let me think about what this could be and get it checked out versus like – if you're feeling fine, you could just have a worm and you don't know. Yeah, but it's not doing anything to you. It's just there. It's feeding off of you. It's just living with you. It's just like having a roommate. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> um, a terrible roommate. Yeah. So like I alluded to. sponging off of you. Sponging off of you. Which, I mean, we've yep. all had those roommates. Am I right? <laughs> um, so, yes. As I alluded to, sometimes the only symptom is literally like seeing the worm in the poops. Um, a side note, there are places where uh, parasitic infections are more endemic of lots of varieties. Mm -hmm. um, like when I was in medical school, we did like a, a medical sort of mission trip in down to Ecuador and went to some villages and stuff that are near uh, that are more by the rainforest. And in places like that, oftentimes, uh, kids will get like a, an antiparasitic like once a year. Like, just get, like, a yearly dose. Hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, and when we would see these kids in clinic, sometimes the parents would just be like, oh, yeah. So, XYZ kid, like, he had some worms in his poop. Or, like, you'll have some itching around the butt and you'll know. <laughs> and so we would treat them all the time <laughs> down there for that. Yep. Um, so, anyway, but with tinea, so you might not – so this, like, the symptoms or the passing of the worms in your stool might not even occur until, like, weeks after you ingested the thing. So it's oh, not. Well, I'm about to one up you in a little bit. But okay. Keep going. All right. Um, <laughs> so the nice thing is you can treat it with uh, medication, and then there's a lot of things you can do to prevent it, which is like sanitation, cooking your meat, that sort of thing. Um, there's a more severe, like kind of uh, version of this, which is called sister sarcosis, which actually does not come. You can't get this from eating the pork. Just to be clear, 
Neuro sister sarcosis does not come from eating undercooked pork. It actually comes from ha- getting the larval eggs in your mouth in some variety, fecal oral, which is like, it could be anything. Um, and this is when you get the uh, larva actually into your like tissues and muscles. And then the worst version of it is neurosister sarcosis, um, which means that it goes into your brain. And if you look up, like, if you go on Google Images and you look up an MRI of neurosister sarcosis, like, it's going to be obvious, even to somebody who's never looked at an MRI before, that something yeah, is like, not right. you'll be like, that's a worm up there. You'll be like, that is not good. It's like a bunch of little spots. Um, and one thing that I learned that was quite interesting, actually, was that in places that have this, um, neurosister sarcosis is like one of the top uh, causes in the differential for new onset seizures in an adult. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So, like, if, hmm. if there's a place that has a lot of, like, you know, tinea soleum and that sort of stuff, they, they'll they yeah. they'll think about that as part of their differential. Whereas, whereas here, we we don't really think about that as much. I also just don't think about adults and their seizures. Yeah, we're, we're not adult doctors. Yeah. So. All right. So, that's tinea. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. So, the parasite that I want to talk about, because I felt like there's several elements to uh, this parasite that I think relates to the xenomorph life cycle and is creepier. Because I think the tapeworm thing, part of it that is somewhat straightforward is, like, other than the sister sarcosis part, is that, like, you eat it, it becomes a worm, it comes out your butt, because that's how your digestive system works, etc. And you're kind of like, okay, that sucks, but sure. Like, I get that. (laughs) That sucks, but sure. (laughs) Hashtag parasites. Instead, I'm going to talk about the guinea worm, which is going to horrify you. It's a type of nematode, which is another type of worm. Um... And this nematode specifically is called the dr- Dracunculus medinensis. Medinensis, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dracunculiasis is even guinea- harder to say. Yeah, I was like, I wasn't. I was going to skip it. You can say it again. Dracunculiasis. Exactly, or guinea worm disease, as we're going to call it, <laughs> is one of the neglected tropical diseases, which we kind of mentioned briefly in a previous episode, which is a collection of diseases that affects a lot of people worldwide in oftentimes tropical or subtropical regions of the world. But because they're like it doesn't affect people in the West, fewer people know about them or know how to treat them. Um, yes. And so... You know, there needs to be more research dedicated to it. I think even malaria falls under the category of neglected tropical disease. Leprosy also falls under that categorization. It's like neglected tropical diseases is like millions and millions of people. I think it's billions of people. Might be billions. You might be right. Might be like three and a half billion people. For some reason, that number is like in my head. (laughs) Guinea worm disease specifically uh, is found in a lot of rural communities in Chad, South Sudan, Angola, Ethiopia, and Mali. And I'm going to tell you about its life cycle right now, and it's terrible. So the larvae of guinea worms are basically found in freshwater, usually kind of like still standing freshwater, so oftentimes like ponds and sometimes open wells or cisterns, things like that. Um, And the larvae get eaten by these really tiny, small crustaceans, sometimes called water fleas, called copepods. And copepods, specifically, this type of water flea is of the genus Cyclops and not Daphinia, which I guess is the other Cyclops. main type of water flea. Yeah, I know, right? Because okay. it looks like it only has one eye. You can go look it up. Oh, yeah. It's so cute. It kind of looks like a plankton from uh, yeah, SpongeBob. Right? Yeah. It does. Um, and they're microscopic, so you can't see them, like, just looking at water. Um, they 
Inside the copepod, the larvae develop into like an infective stage, a stage in which they can inf infect other organisms within about two weeks. And then what usually happens is the copepods are eaten by like frogs or fish or something like that, or they're just they get like drunk by somebody who's drinking water. That's unfiltered. <laughs> you were gonna say like they get drunk, like the copepods <laughs> they get drunk. Are no, getting drunk. I was like. I was like drinking, drank, dranked, <laughs> ingested, just say ingested. ingested by somebody who is or a mammal, basically, who drinks um, the unfiltered water in which they're living. Um, otherwise, you can also like ingest them by eating undercooked fish or frogs or whatever that have eaten the copepods. Once the copepod is in your stomach or the mammal's stomach, but we're talking about humans right now. So in your stomach, it gets dissolved by stomach acid and dies. And then the larva is like, I'm free. And it migrates <laughs> through the wall of your intestines. It migrates through the wall of your intestines. We're just going to say that again. It's going to be important. Into your abdominal cavity. Oh, wait. And oh, into the in your abdominal cavity. Space? Or into the retroperitoneal space. So like to clarify what that is, your abdominal cavity is basically lined by like a membrane called the, uh, the peritoneum. And... There's a like potential space behind that that is called the retroperitoneal space. Okay, so the larvae then migrate through the wall of the intestine and enter the abdominal cavity and the retroperitoneal space where they mature into adult worms. And then those worms, which are now in your abdominal cavity, mate, and then the male worms die. Of course. And then and the female worms migrate through your tissues to your subcutaneous tissue, which is your skin. I hate this. Towards your skin's surface. I hate it so and much. Then, and then, this is where I'm about to one-up the tapeworm thing. A year after all of this, <laughs> after initial infection, the female worm creates a blister on the skin's surface. Somewhere, usually on the lower extremities, like oftentimes on the soles of your feet oh. or somewhere on your legs. And then within about 24 to 72 hours, the blister bursts apart. Or because at the site of the blister, you get kind of like a lot of pain, a lot of redness, swelling, inflammation. So it's warm and it's itchy and um, you can get kind of Burny. like a burning sensation. Yeah. Oftentimes what will happen is like the host will want to put the host of being the limb, person that has it. The host being the human person yeah. that has this worm will put their feet, whatever, legs, into a body of water. And as soon as the water basically touches the female worm, it expels thousands of larvae into the water. Oh, thousands God. of larvae. And they get eaten <laughs> by copepods. And then it just starts all over again. Oh, my God. And that's the worst. you'd kind of be like, okay, that's terrible, obviously. Like, obviously, all the things I just told you are terrible. But you'd be like, okay, nematodes, whatever. They're pretty small. Like, this is gross. You're like microscopes, right? <laughs> yeah. Female worms can be up to three feet long. Three feet long. They are the longest nematodes that can infect humans, basically. Ew. Right? Isn't that terrible? <sighs> I like that um, the longest male is only one and a half inches. Yeah, the males are not as important. Well, they die. This entire, <laughs> this entire yeah. bit. But, um, yeah. So, like, so in this case, mammals, mostly humans, so what, but also, hold on, like, Question, dogs. question. I have yeah, a question. Yeah, yeah. What happens yes. to the adult female? Oh, Okay. We're, we're getting there. Oh, we're not there yet. Okay. We're going to get there. We're, we're, we're not there yet. Okay, got, just it, gonna, got it. Yeah. So going back to like parasite life cycles, mammals, in this case humans mostly, but also like dogs sometimes in the regions in which this is endemic mm -hmm. are the definitive host, which is, again, where the parasites sexually reproduce. Yeah. And then copepods are the intermediate host. Got it. 
Okay, so the symptoms of guinea worm disease. For about a year, you have no symptoms. Of course. <laughs> you remember how you were like, the best thing is you don't have symptoms for a while. <laughs> so like for a year, you have no symptoms. Great. And then when the female starts to migrate and gets ready to emerge, like the blister forms and stuff, you can kind of, you start getting more of like an inflammatory response in your body. So you get like fever, rash, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, All the things. things like that. The All usual the things. things. That blister develops, right? It gets bigger. Yeah. Often burning pain. We already talked about that. Yeah. And then basically what you have to do is like remove the worm. So the female worm either like releases all its larvae and stuff and then bursts out and leaves. Ugh. Or you have to like physically remove it, right? Because you don't yeah. want you don't want that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so. You just you don't want the worm. <laughs> and so like a complication, there are a couple of complications. One is the worm can potentially fail to make it to the skin. So, like, it, if it just, like, gets stuck in a joint capsule or get, <sighs> makes its way to the central nervous system, it can just, like, calcify there and you'll get a septic joint or arthritis or paraplegia even, depending on where it ends up. Oh. And then the removal of the worm is a very painful, long process. And secondary bacterial infections are really common, which just means that you now have like an open wound site. So it's easier for bacteria to infect right. that area and give you skin infections, abscess formation, like sepsis, which is just whole body infection in the blood. Um, and so the treatment for this is basically removing the worm. There's no drugs that will treat this That's and there's shame. no vaccine yep. that will prevent this. Okay. And I just want to describe this treatment to you. So brace yourself. Oh gosh. <laughs> you have to remove oh, the worm. Oh, I'm reading and what you is, wrote. She's reading ahead. You have to remove the worm and basically you have to wait until like part of it kind of exposes itself from the blister. And then once it does, you have to pull the worm out. But because it's very long and kind of like stuck embedded in, in your skin, embedded in your skin, you can only pull it out like a few centimeters a day. By winding it around a piece of gauze or a small stick. And oftentimes this process takes weeks. <laughs> like weeks of just pulling out this worm like a bit at a time. I have to look at a picture. There's a picture on the CDC website and it's terrible. Okay. There's, um, there is some speculation. I think there's a book that somebody wrote about the history of poisons, interestingly enough. Um, that this might be the source, like this treatment method might be the source of... Um, like the rod of Asclepius, which is the symbol of medicine, like the rod with the snake around it. Mm. It's just like twir twirling oh, this worm around a stick. I actually didn't know that. Yep. And during this removal process, it is you have to be very careful. Like you don't want to pull too hard because if the worm breaks, breaks, yeah, then now you have a dead worm inside of you. And that can cause a lot of intense inflammation as your body is like, this is not okay. Oh boy, looking this and up is... Not great. Don't look it up. It's not great. Um, so the main thing for guinea worm disease is basically prevention, right? So it's like clean yes, drinking water. Yes, please prevent this. Yeah. Cooking um, whatever aquatic animals really well before eating um, them in those endemic areas. And then like don't – if you are infected or you're in an area that where this is endemic and you have blisters that show up, don't put them in water. Like don't put them in any kind of like water sources that people use because that is how the larva – Get, get back in the water. Back in the water. And then more people yeah. get guinea worm. So guinea worm yes. is interesting uh, in a, from a global standpoint because after um, – so humans have eradicated one disease, and that's smallpox. 
Um, and guinea worm was identified as a se- as another uh, disease that could be ripe for elimination. Um, and actually, it was very interesting because it's like a whole collaboration that is uh, coordinated by the Carter Center, which is Jimmy Carter's foundation in Atlanta and like the Gates Foundation and the World Health Organization, all that stuff. And through a bunch of like mostly public health measures um, brought like the yearly number of infections from like, what was it, like 800,000 in like the 80s to like 20. Yeah. However, 2008, by 2008 or something like that, there's a really nice graph on the Wikipedia page that shows it. And it's a log scale graph, which means that it's impressive. It is very impressive. Now, they were supposed to meet a target of eradicating it by 2020. Obviously, 2020 is a giant dumpster fire. So this also did not happen this year because of some more interesting things, which is like finding this uh, finding guinea worm infection in um, various animals and things that. I guess previously people did not think that they could be infected by the guinea worm. And so now they have to sort out why that's happening because there were like 28 infections last year. And then there's like 58 and 50 some infections now. So it's going up a little bit, but yeah, we'll link it an interesting article in nature that kind of talks about this because just, just like reading about the process of thinking about like a program that eradicates a parasite or some kind of disease, right? Like, literally just gets rid of com- entirely um and the process that goes into it, the thought process behind like why you'd have to delay etc is really interesting so we'll link an article to that yeah so we talked about guinea worms and now we all feel really terrible not, definitely not and nauseous now- <laughs> or anything now let's talk about alien but you can see why I think guinea worms are very relevant. One hundred percent. Yes, they they are relevant to this conversation. So, um, for alien, so everybody kind of knows what the alien and alien looks like, right? It's like a famous pop culture yes. like. But creature. if you had to describe it, how would you describe it? <laughs> would I describe it? <laughs> well, like we talked about with Independence Day, like it actually is kind of humanoid in its body. It has like right. It has two legs. It has arms. Sure. It's kind of like skinny looking, it's and then bipedal. it and then it has this like head that is really big. It's a really big head. It's very long. It's long with like a little face at the end, <laughs> uh-huh. and a little like a like teeth that look like they're metal almost. They're like silvery, like silvery white teeth. It's hard to tell. Everything is wet on that spaceship, and then so. it's mostly black. I think its eyes are there too. And at the end of this long head, this long sort of like smooth, um, it, it, oh, it looked like a killer whale to me. Like the way that its skin looked, looked like a whale. Oh, I thought it looked like a beetle. Oh, that like, you know, too. Like beetle Just smooth, carapace. shiny. Smooth, shiny. Yeah, smooth, shiny. And then uh, it has like kind of claws, but I there's a part of it where you see its hands kind of splayed out and it has like webbing between its fingers. Um, yeah. So it looked like a sea monster to me. So that's kind of what it looks like. And it's tall. It's like seven feet tall. It's like, it's taller it's like than the, tall. it's taller than all the people. And Sigourney Weaver is quite tall. But yeah, that's sort of what it looks like to me. That's what the full grown adult xenomorph alien right. looks like. I think that's accurate. Yeah. I don't know. We all, all know right, what so, it looks like. <laughs> so xenomorphs, I think, are are interesting because like, I do think that because of how iconic the chestburster scene and everything is, like, when you start talking about parasites, this is kind of, I think, where a lot of people's heads go to. Like, this is kind of what you think about. Yeah. Um, and so we thought it would be interesting to just kind of talk through the life cycle of the xenomorph, because you actually see 
pretty much most of the stages, other than some of the specific, very specific, like, adult ones, which we'll get into. Um, you see all of the life cycle stages in the movie. In this movie. At various points in time. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the xenomorph itself, it seems like the concept is based on these parasitic or parasitoid wasps from the super families. Okay. We're going to give this a shot. Um, Chalcidoidae? That was terrible. Oof. Okay. I don't know. Chalcidoidae. Chalcidoidae. Oh, I like that better. Chalcidoidae. Okay. And Ichneumonidae. Ichneumonidae sounds right. Ichneumonidae. Um, so those are super families of wasps, which like, which means that each family has like 25,000 species. Great. Of wasps. Okay. Of parasitoid wasps. And we're going to name all of them. And number one. Yeah. Ready? (laughs) Go. (laughs) And so basically what these wasps do is they attack the egg or larval stages of hosts. Um, and their hosts tend to be butterflies, moths, beetles, spiders, um, insects other insects basically and if you remember what we said earlier about the six like kind of life cycle types or types of parasites um parasitoid means that they kill their host at some point or another right and so normally what these wasps do is they inject their eggs directly into the host's body oftentimes when the host is like in a larval stage like caterpillars for example and then the wasp larva just eat the host after they hatch Great. Even if it's still alive, and then just burst forth into the world after that. Yes. I mean... Because nature, nature is <laughs> nuts. Nature is nuts. <laughs> I think I've seen stuff like this before. Like, there's some kind of... There's, like, a National Geographic video that's, like, in my head of, like, a ca- this happening to a caterpillar. Like, oh, a yeah. caterpillar getting totally yes. consumed by, like, a larva that was put in it. It is fascinating and horrifying yeah. all at once yeah okay so for the xenomorph like you can you can definitely see how the xenomorph's life cycle draws a lot from that so talking through its life cycle start with the egg that's like the first yeah. thing that we see right? also we so got the, all of this information from the wikis yeah and yeah. also like we we also just rewatched the film literally last, last night, night before recording this yeah because i was like the last time i saw alien i was a child much too young to be watching alien honestly And I did not remember, like, anything about it except for the chestburster scene, obviously. And I knew what the alien looked like. But I couldn't remember, like, anything about plot or, like, any details about what happened. And I had never seen it before. And and last night was the first time I saw it. And I, But I still knew the alien and I still knew that it was, like, important. But I actually had no idea what the plot even was. I still (laughs) had to look it up because I wasn't clear about it. But (laughs) Tim was like, I still don't understand what happened. But... The first stage that we're going to talk about is the ovomorph stage, which is the egg. So in the movie, what (laughs) happens is you're on a spaceship. We're going back to Earth after a successful mining mission, it seems. Yeah. You get like a weird distress signal signal in space. That wakes everybody up. That you don't understand, right? Yeah. That everyone just assumes is an SOS, but you don't know what it says. And they're just like, oh, this must be like from some kind of living species, we have to check it out because that is, like, And it's, like, coming from this particular, like, moon that they're, like, close to. And, one, I was like, we don't have to check it out. I was like, why is this a company policy? This seems incorrect. (laughs) One terrible policy. Two, let's say you go back and you didn't check it out. What are they going to (laughs) do? Like, you could be like, I noted the coordinates. Here you go, company. Like, you can go check it out. Like, you can go check it out. you would like. Yeah. But anyway, so, like, they're like, okay, we have to go check it out. I mean, most of them don't want to because they're smart. But, like, Ash is like, no, we have to because company policy and 
spoiler, secretly I'm a weird robot, but <laughs> we'll get to that. And so they land on this, like, they land on this moon, this weird, very dark moon, planet, toyed, whatever. I don't whatever. remember exactly what it was. Yeah. And they find, like, a really huge, weird oh, spaceship. Craft. Yeah, some kind of spacecraft. Yeah. Which, sure. And then they, like, go in there, which I was also like, no. Three don't of do them that, decide obviously. to go and check it out. <laughs> only three of them can go because I think the shuttle only carries three. And also, and like, so, like, I think they had to fix their own ship. Like, they had, they were there. They were going to be there for some period of time anyway. Right. Because also their, their, like, ship is weirdly delicate. And in that one landing, somehow just everything broke. Like, <laughs> all of the things in the engine room, all of the things in the everything cockpit, was I broken. guess. Like, everything is just broken. Anyway. So they go on this, like, giant alien ship. They get into what looks like a weird throne room for some reason with some kind of like skeleton alien creature yes, there in the middle. Right. Like some huge which, thing. Yeah. Which I also had questions about this because they were like, oh, it looks like something burst out of its chest. And I was like, how would you know where its chest is? <laughs> I don't I can't. I can't even know where what I'm chest? looking at right now. Like what? <laughs> I still don't even know what that alien looks like. I was like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. But anyway. OK. So they're like something burst out of its chest. That is spot number two, where 100% I would have been like, no we're going thanks. back. And then noped right back to the ship. Like, yep. do not be want like, to be a part of this. Uh, look around and be like, you good here? Yeah, I'm good here. Great. Let's go. Yeah, we get it. There's a, Someone died. Something came out of the chest. We Some can, horrible that's what we can thing tell has people. happened. Obviously, nobody's living here. We investigate the signal. Due diligence done. Bye. Yeah. And then they leave. Yeah. That's not what happened. No. So they, they found a hole going. in the floor. They also have like yeah, no light. Like, it's dark everywhere. Yeah, that's the other thing about this whole thing. I was like... There's lighting. Like, you brought lights with you. Well, no, you didn't, because your spaceship also has no lights, so maybe they don't have lights. That's true. <laughs> so they, like, go into the hole, which is a ragged-looking hole that, again, I would not have gone into, but they go into this hole. And you can't and see the confronted. bottom. You cannot see the bottom. Yeah. And they go, or Kane goes down there. Yep. And he basically sees just, like, lines of eggs. Like, they're clearly a huge eggs. space. Huge like, there's eggs. a huge room yeah. full of hundreds and hundreds of eggs. Also, I don't know what this room was for in this giant ship before. It's for the eggs. It's full of eggs now. So, and it's like, they're all the eggs are like large. They're described as leathery and they're kind of like, well, they're egg shaped. They're literally much. shaped so, like regular yeah, chicken they're eggs. They're literally shaped like eggs, except that they're like two to three feet tall. Yeah. And, and they're like kind of translucent towards the bottom and you can see something moving inside of it. And then at the bottom, at the top, it has like a four petaled opening area right. which you don't really know and, is there until it actually opens right but like you see a room full of eggs okay like you're in space i'm in space you've decided to investigate this like weird signal that you couldn't decode right right which later ripley is like looking at random symbols she's literally just looking at like ones and zeros which is yeah, one of my favorite like, things i think it was a warning and i'm like well then 100 percent you should go <laughs> investigate because like i mean anyway so like you get there you're investigating you're confronted by a room full of eggs another time where you would be like no thank you maybe and turn you around leave. yeah definitely don't go touch an egg like why would you do that don't wow. do that obviously so all these things that you wouldn't Terrible. do the guy kane definitely yeah. does so kane does all of these things he he goes and he just puts his face like right up near the egg top the top of the egg <laughs> and so of course as soon as he does that the petals like open yep and then a face hugger just comes out and just, a, I guess, well, we didn't see this part. You just see, like, you hear, like, a noise and then it cuts to a different yeah. scene. But, like, it attaches to the, his faceplate, I guess we find out. Like, well, he, his has face a, he has a full but, helmet on with the face, yeah. like, an astronaut Which, helmet. by the way, 
Did you see that when they were walking with the helmet, the astronaut helmets on, it like vents gas out the top? Yeah, that was the weirdest thing. I was was like, like, what "What is that? What's happening? Yeah, it was coming straight out the top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, aren't we supposed to like try not to just introduce our bacteria everywhere? I don't know. What are we venting here? Anyway, it's the future. That's neither here nor there. So Kane, when they bring him back. He, it's melted through his well they also plate. like they don't like so so many things like just the act of getting him back is actually quite complicated but they really don't show oh, that's him true like they don't that's they true. have to yeah. do like this decontamination and ripley's like no we can't bring him in and then they're like yeah but he's like paralyzed they like literally describe him as being like in a coma oh, yeah and so because like i was also confused initially because when they were like in the decontamination and they were like he might die in 24 hours and they don't show you you can't they don't see show him. him to you like yeah, the entire time so him. i was like why like what's happening like I, exactly they just seem to know all these things like yeah i was like you're putting a well, lot of assume, timelines they're assuming they're assuming a lot of things yeah but yeah so like we when we look this up apparently in the ovomorph stage um these petals just unfurl when a potential host approaches. Ah. And then I guess the face hugger attaches to the host's, I assume, face, face. Since it's called a face hugger. But I was kind of like, how would you know it was the face that came close to the top of the egg? I mean, of whatever these it is. are very Also, is everything a potential host? Like, You mean, uh, like, could other, are other aliens a potential host? Or is, is it just any humans? Kind of, yeah, is it any living creature a potential host? Do you have to have a face to be a potential host? Um, I think you do have to have a face. Because let's say you're an alien and you're like, you know, some kind of weird sentient cloud or something. Like, I don't think that'll work. Because then the, then the face hugger would just like fly through the air. Yeah. So you're safe if you're, as long as you don't have a face, you're okay. <laughs> as long as you situation. don't have a face. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Honestly, I think so. Because you need to have a face with, and we'll talk about this in a second, and access to some kind of like cavity to grow in. Yeah, why don't we talk about that? Okay. <laughs> so, so what's the next? The next scene we see is that okay, they have brought him into the infirmary, which presumably is presumably the infirmary, which is really just know. like a room with a table on it and like a weird like uh, scanner thing. So they bring him in, and they're all like, they're all looking at him, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Somehow they've determined that he's at least still alive. Yeah. Well, Kane and Dal... Well, no, no, no. Kane is the one with the face Kane hugger. has the Dallas face Dallas and Ash, Ash are looking at him because they're wearing, like, those green, like, cloth... They're wearing surgical things, gowns. Like, surgical gowns. And yes. then <laughs> And then they're wearing these tiny masks, which... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like... <laughs> okay. So, these are actually... When, we're, when we were looking at this, we were like, I'm pretty sure those are pediatric rebreather masks, which yeah. are basically this type of oxygen mask that you can yeah. put on children and they're wearing them and i'm pretty sure they're for children because it does not fit either they're so small and like barely covers their mouth and nose and then they're not attached to anything they're not attached to anything and also like they have huge holes in them because like that's (laughs) that's how they work in real life and so like i don't understand the production designer that was like okay i've got a great idea you guys you're like this looks very high tech it looks very high tech the only thing that it gets you is that it's see-through and so, like, you can still see their But also, mouth. like, an adult-sized mask is also I mean, should they have, if they were just so. going to choose one, should they have chosen a bigger one? Yes, 100%. But they looked so silly. So I, I laughed a lot when I, when yeah, I saw we this like, scene. What? We are like, wait a second. <laughs> what what are right those? Yep. They're normally connected to, like, oxygen via tubing and stuff like that. But Yes. 
So they have these things, and then they try to um, they try to see if they can remove. Well, they're very delicate with trying to remove it because I think it's Ash that says like, "Oh, it's it's like doing the breathing for him." Or what is it that he yeah, actually I think, says? I think Ash figures it out after the scan. Well, first they try to remove it through like I think they like poke at it or try yeah. to remove, and then they say that it it's like going to pull his face off if they try to take and, it. And they also see that it, like, tightens around his neck, like, when they're trying to move it. Yeah. So then he's like, okay, we're going to put put him in this weird clear box that's a scanner of some kind. And using some kind of imaging that I don't understand well, it's I funny because I could parse the picture. Above <laughs> like, that box, there's, like, a little screen, and it looks like they're doing an x-ray. But then when they close up on it, it looks like an endoscopy. Like, somebody has yeah. put a camera down but his... But, like, a very fuzzy endoscopy yeah. from... The side, like not actually like the point of view of a camera. No. So an endoscopy yeah. is basically where we put a camera into like your GI tract. So you, like, into your esophagus yeah, and then into your stomach, et cetera, to like see if everything is healthy and, and just make sure everything is okay. Yeah. So when you're doing that, you have like a camera at the end of this really long, flexible tube yeah. that you can control. Like with handles you can control at the, the tip end. of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can do things like take biopsies and like take samples, whatever, like through one of these things. But the way that you usually operate it is like you have the point of view of the camera, right? So like you yeah. see what the camera is seeing and then you're driving because of that. And when I was looking at the screen, I was like, this almost looks like you see it if the someone side imagined, of the face hugger. Yeah, yeah, like the side of the face hugger as opposed to like the camera view of what is happening. Like if this is an endoscopy esque scan of some kind. Right. <laughs> like, but yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, the scan I think was Ash very is strange. the one with the scan who was like, oh, it's breathing for him or it's giving him oxygen or something like that. I was that. like, so it's a placenta. That's what you're saying. The thing is placentaing this man's face. Yeah, I guess. Because he's still alive. He's <laughs> not dead. Right. They do they do emphasize that he's not dead. Yeah. So the facehugger, as said in the wiki, orally impregnates, right? That's what we think is happening. That's what the wiki says. Yes. So <laughs> he becomes unconscious through cyanose-based paralytic chemical. <laughs> Cyanide would not also, be my paralytic like, of choice. I was like, cyanose? And I was like, is this just like a thing I don't know? So I tried to Google it. I didn't try very hard. I just looked at the first page and I was like, no, this is not a thing. Cyanose is, is not a word that I'm familiar like, with. I don't know. Um, and so then it goes in and it does your gas exchange for you. Um, but somehow it does your gas exchange for you into your stomach instead of your lungs. Yeah, because I'm kind of like, I'm a little bit confused on this point because they talk a lot about like throat and stuff like that. And in theory, you could like orally impregnate, I guess, people into their trachea because like, <laughs> sure. But <laughs> they're very close to each other. <laughs> yeah, they're very close to each other. But I'm just kind of, like, confused a little bit about where this is going. Because either it is putting an embryo in the stomach, right? Right. Because there's two tubes. So it's either putting it in the stomach <laughs> or it's putting it in your yep. lungs. There are like, two choices. Lungs, <laughs> yeah, stomach. Yeah, the trachea and the esophagus. So it's either going into the lungs or it's going into the stomach. And I feel like the implication anytime you say, like, orally, whatever, is that it's, like, into your stomach, yeah. But then because it's a chest burster and then you're talking about giving somebody like atmosphere, then it has to be the lungs, right? 
if you're just doing it through a tube. If that's all you're doing, yeah, it doesn't. It, it's it's it really doesn't make sense, especially when you, as you will, as you pointed out when we talked about this a little bit earlier. <laughs> It's giving you the ability to breathe without you having to breathe, but then somehow it chokes you if you try to take it off. But if it's giving yeah. you everything you need to breathe, then choking you is not that big of a deal. Right. Like, like you know, the acid that eats through all the layers of the spaceship, that's a bigger deal. Sure. Oh, we haven't talked but about I that. When they try like, to cut it open, yeah, its blood is like acid. Yeah. And literally yes, drips through multiple floors of the spaceship. And the, Yeah. And I don't remember, like, why it stops. I honestly kind of don't understand why it stops, because I was like, if it can eat through everything... I think it just runs it out. Doesn't, it just, like, absorbs... Like, it doesn't it, arbitrarily... It can't absorb if it's just eating through stuff. I guess that's true. Yeah, I didn't understand why it stopped either. I also... I think they made some kind of comment about it, but I really did not understand what they were saying. Yeah. And then they were like, it's molecular acid, and I was like, acid is just molecules. Everything is understand. molecules. I don't know what they're talking about. It's not real. But anyway. So... Yeah, so, like, where's the embryo? That's my main question. Like, where are we putting this? I'm going to say but, it's in the stomach because of the next thing we're going to talk about. Because, right. anyway, I think it's the stomach. I, I think that that's what it has to be. I also want to emphasize that, like, I assumed that the face hugger was implanting, like, well, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't assume anything because I was very confused. But my understanding before I read the wiki was that the face hugger was putting, like, a little... I guess another egg or some kind of like fetus or whatever, like into yeah, a person, into the, into the, into the stomach or wherever. Yeah. And then I read the wiki and it says that it's actually a specifically like highly mutagenic fluid. That's like cancer. <laughs> it's and a I was fluid. like, what? Oh my gosh. Is it a venom? <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to twilight. Everything this season comes back to really twilight and venoms. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So when you, I, so I read this and I lost my mind. I was like, it wouldn't. It would have been so much easier if it were just. Yes. Oh, we're gonna put an egg here. Yes, but that's not it. But it's but not. They were like, it. We can't do that. We already did the egg life stage. So you like, already saw what something egg. else has to happen. <laughs> you need to do something. I got it. It's gonna be cancer oh, fluid. Tumor yeah. fluid. So like, which I just want to read you this little quote from the wiki about the chest burst. So the next stage is the chest burster, which we'll we'll talk about the scene in a little bit more detail. But I want to read you this first, and then we'll talk about what the scene says. So. The wiki says the chestburster is not implanted into the host as an embryo, but is in fact akin to a cancerous growth because it's, again, a highly mutagenic fluid. It begins as a tumor that causes the host body to literally construct the infant creature from its own biological material. And I was like, that is what? not how tumors work. <laughs> That's like, not how tumors work at all. And second of all, that means it's like mostly human. I don't get it. I don't yeah, because, get it. Because like if you're... Unless that mutagenic fluid contains all of the cells that are needed for, contains like xenomorph stem cells, essentially. Yeah. Right? Like, then the xenomorph, otherwise, if it's just like your own cells, would be a human. There'd be like more skin so, and oh, like other human things. I think and it's not fine. like a weird beetle alien thing. Yeah, I like, think I think it makes sense if you're saying, okay, it injects a fluid that is like xenomorph stem cells, and those right. cells just use like the resources of the human to right. grow. That and I'm like, okay. Fine. I mean, sure. <laughs> I'm on board for that. Yes. But the fact that it says I'm on board with that. construct the creature from its own biological material makes it seem like those cells are using human cells. <laughs> To make right. the alien. And that is even implied more because, like, apparently in some of the comics and stuff like that, it talks about this thing called DNA reflex where the xenomorph can take on some of the physical traits of the host. 
Which it does not because have of any. this process. I guess it because has arms like, and legs. Yeah, like in in this case, it doesn't have any. But in the in like future sequels and stuff like that, there is a version of the xenomorph that I guess like was created using a predator as a host. Okay, and it has like kind of vaguely predator looking <laughs> features. I guess <laughs> like <laughs> purely from an aesthetic standpoint. I suppose. I guess you can make it look whatever you want. But the, the, the anyway. especially the chestburster, <clears throat> excuse me, especially the chestburster as it comes out has no human features. It is actually kind of cute. It does look kind of cute. It's like, yeah. and also they made it make a really like cute little sound like. <laughs> okay, wait, so describe this scene. Okay, so here's the, here's my problem with it is we know that a chestburster is going to come out, right? And it's quite large, yes. right? They also, so what happens to Kane is that at some point, the facehugger is just like no longer on his face. And they're right. like, where did it go? Yeah. But he seems well, to be first, fine. They leave Kane and the facehugger alone. Totally unsupervised. In the open, unsupervised, like in the presumably infirmary. And then like everybody leaves. And I'm like, you just brought an unknown alien entity that like nobody knows anything about onto your spaceship and you're just going to like leave it there in the open? Yeah. That is terrible decision making. At some point it's gone and he seems to be like totally fine. Um, yeah. And then they find the dead face hugger like it accidentally falls onto Ripley because it was like in the ceiling. And then she's like, oh my right. gosh. And they're like, oh, it's dead. So then Which they also, go. Which also like, why did it go die in the ceiling? But anyway. Anyway. So they go and they're like eating. There's this whole scene where they're sitting and they're just eating and Kane seems like totally fine. And he's like, they alludes to a scene previously where they're talking about like how bad the food is or whatever. Also, they're like mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes on this spaceship. It's a whole thing. Um, and so <laughs> then he's eating and then he kind of starts coughing and then he starts coughing a little more. And then he gets and like, Parker's like, the food's not that bad. Yeah. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And then he really starts coughing. And then he basically kind also, of somebody like, says, are you choking? And they just like kind of pat him on the back. And I was like, all of you have to be trained in basic <laughs> CPR, for, like CPR, it's like actually just you like would know what to, like, how yeah. to respond if somebody was choking. Yeah. Like, um, so then he starts to like really like kind of like writhe and like buck. He he gets onto mm-hmm. the table where they're eating and is on his back. For some reason, Parker keeps trying to put a spoon in his <laughs> mouth. They're like, put the spoon in his mouth. And I was like, why? Just in, just in general, don't force. Things, things into people's mouths, mouths. Like, yeah <laughs> keep, like, it's not really, helpful just really aggressively trying to put the spoon in his mouth and then the first thing they see is they just see like blood appear on his like white shirt yeah that's true and then everybody's like oh uh, and it get, mostly like, gets on lambert yes who like flinches back yeah well, poor lambert anyway so she yeah. yeah it gets on her and so like there's blood and then there's a little more blood and there's a little more blood and then <laughs> the next thing is the chest burster just like literally bursts out of the chest and you see it's like head come out and it's like little face and it's little like metal metally looking teeth and it's like Rah! and it it kind of looks like a a worm it has two little arms and then it has like a long tail and yeah. it just it has like, like the xenomorph head but like in a miniature yeah but just on like a weird worm worm body that body. has two limbs <laughs> and then all yeah. you see is that it runs away like really really quickly and obviously yeah. kane is dead and it kind of exits his body, like, I would say right under his sternum, probably. Yeah, which is the other reason why we were kind of like, it must be stomach area. Yeah, because it's, right? it's low down. Yeah. Also, there's, like, no space in your thorax because it's taken up 
by heart and lungs. Heart so, lungs. Like, I don't know where this thing would be yeah. anyway. So I, that's why I think the stomach probably it makes the most sense. Um, it's just odd that he has like, that you have no symptoms of having this like enormous creature in your abdomen. Yeah. Before. Like, if nothing else, he would have abdominal pain. Yeah. Right? Like, discomfort. If literally some nothing nausea, else, he something. would have some discomfort. He has none of those yeah, things. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. That's the very strange part of it. And on top of that, just like, he would know. Like, you'd probably have some abdominal fullness, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a large – it is large. How big it is, like, like, you know, we've seen patients who present with, unfortunately, sometimes, like, tumors in their abdomen. And a mm-hmm. lot of the times they can tell <laughs> that there is something there because you, like, feel full. Something is not right. And if it's truly, like – um needing him for resources and stuff like he will feel bad because it's like yeah. using all of his energy but he feels like he's like making jokes he feels like totally fine until literally this thing comes like busting out of its chest yeah i actually didn't even realize it but we both chose to talk about parasites where you're asymptomatic until things things come out of, <laughs> of you <laughs> things come out of your body either through your skin or out your poop so it's very oh, similar to both the guinea worm and uh, tinea solium, aside from the fact that neither of those grab onto your face. Also, this happens over a very True. short period of time. It was like a day. This happens. Ve- yeah, I don't even know if it was an entire day. Like, it's hard to tell. I don't remember if they had already left the planet by the time they this happened. They did leave the planet. They had I already they did leave left the planet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because they, they basically like, brought Kane back and Dallas was kind of like are the repairs done or whatever? And Ripley was like, well, they're still working on X, Y, and Z. And Alice was like, well, that's just not going to keep us from taking off. So then they just took off immediately. Uh. Because everybody's just like ignoring all of the protocols. Except for the one that was like, oh, we have to land. Yeah. And go investigate whatever the heck. The robot protocol is the only one they didn't ignore. But anyway. (laughs) Okay. So then they, (laughs) so then they're like, Kane is dead. Okay. So now everybody's a little freaked out and they go into different directions to find the little guy. Yeah. They assume the little guy. Um, oh, I did want to say one aside really quickly again that I saw on the wiki about the chestburster. It said, owing to its cancerous nature, chestburster development is typically fatal for the host, even if the growing organism itself is surgically removed. And I was like, that is not owing to its cancerous nature. Like, that's not because you can surgically remove tumors and that doesn't kill it's like people. It happens like, all the time. Yeah. yeah, like that quality of a chestburster, you could say, own, owing to its like somehow alien nature. They were, somehow, maybe, that was, like, somehow that was throwing shade at cancer. Yeah, I was like, excuse you, this is not how That's not how cancer works. Work. That's not okay. how cancer surgery works. None of that's not how anyway. any of this works. Anyway, but so they all split assu- up yeah, they, to look for this alien. Okay. For this tiny little guy. It's like three foot just, long guy. Yeah, this little three foot long guy. And I want to say it's like, is it Parker? It's no, it's not Is Parker. It Parker. And it's the other guy. Yeah, uh, it's the guy the who wears the Hawaiian name, shirt. I don't yeah, he's yeah, wearing a Hawaiian shirt. That guy, the other mechanic. Okay, he's the one who finds this like skin from a molt. Yes, clearly that this chestburster had. And I was basically like, and then basically the next time you see it, it's like a seven foot tall xenomorph, <laughs> like what you picture. And yes. I was like, it only had one molt and it just became that big. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Like he finds an appropriately sized molt. Right. He's actually looking for Mostly the cat. intact. Yeah. He's actually. looking for the cat that they had to, for some reason, needed to be in space with them. Yeah. I don't um, know why the cat is there. Yeah. So that poor jo- cat. Jonesy. 
so they, yeah, he finds this little thing, and then literally, like, I don't know, maybe a minute later, you see this seven-foot-tall alien, and you're like, wait a second. Which is just, <laughs> what like... What just happened? And I think, like, is it is it in the same sequence, like, after he finds the molt, um, and then sees the xenomorph, is it the same sequence where he's, like, in that room, yes, just, like, with really the, wet for some reason, drippy, and there's, like, like gears, chains, chains hanging from the ceiling, yep. yes. and water dripping? Yes. And nobody, one, he's not concerned that there's water dripping somewhere in the spaceship. Like, that's just, like, okay, Well, I, I think we've seen before that there's water dripping, like, everywhere in this yeah, spaceship. Yeah, every surface is wet. Yeah. But you also don't know necessarily where this water is coming from. Like, one... I still think you should be more concerned about just free running water in your he spaceship. He also just like lets it drip right. on his face for a little while. Yeah, he takes off his hat and like turns his face up to it like it's rain. And I'm like, you don't know where this water is coming from. Or that from. it is water. It could be wastewater. Like it could be lots of things. It could be. It could be all sorts of stuff. It's like, it I don't looks know. like you're in an engine room. It could be like poisonous. Also, what are these chains for? That's my other question. You're just hanging he, chains. So he just kind of is like, I guess I'm gonna let water drip on my face for a little bit for reasons, and then he puts his hat back on. And then the xenomorph appears. I don't remember where it yeah, came he's, from. Yeah, he's he kind of like it. It kind of just comes from like the background. Like it's it's there uh-huh. and kind of like it's hiding behind the chains or attacks something. him. That's when I first yep. realized that it was like black because like everything in there is black and it kind of like blends in. But it comes mm-hmm. in through the chains, and then I'm like, oh my gosh! Like you're so huge now. And this is also like after they've already been given that detector by Ash to find it. Yeah, yeah. Remember, like the he was like, "Oh, it detects micro changes in air currents," and then he, <laughs> he gives like a really shifty look when Ripley asks him. He's oh, like, the seventies yeah, were that's crazy. How it works, man. You could just say this kind of stuff, and nobody would be like, "Oh, yes." But micro I, think, changes I mean, I think in that case, he was very shifty acid. because I think it actually just detects the alien because he we discover later is a weird robot that is like working for somebody else. I guess the company who wants to get who this wants alien. the alien but, like, like above everything. else. So I assume it is actually just tuned to the alien, I guess, I guess because micro changes in air current doesn't make any sense. Cause you would just detect stuff all the time. <laughs> 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 you would detect anytime anything moved like, anywhere. Anytime any, I mean, I assume you're circulating air through your spaceship. Like, <laughs> <laughs> also there's water dripping everywhere i'm sure that's changing the air, air currents, currents on a micro level so. yes oh my god yeah so like anyway so it has a molt it is now fully grown adult yes very efficient life cycle very efficient life cycle this apparently happens over the course of like less than a day maybe hours and it's like some number <laughs> of hours <laughs> yeah and and so like that's basically the extent of the life cycle that we see. So we had to look up some stuff on the wiki for like what the adults are. And I assume this is a drone. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the most common type I assume is the most common type is the drone. It's the smallest one. Um, which is basically like assault troops gathers new hosts or, and then it has a highly pressurized question mark bloodstream with acid blood which sure blood acid blood we've already established that's fine but i'm like highly pressurized bloodstream like, that just means that their blood pressure size so like if you were to poke them it would just like their acid blood goes really far it'll like shoot out and destroy everything i guess destroy everything because that acid was like legit it went through like six layers of spaceship and then arbitrarily stopped for some reason yep yep and then there's the okay. praetorian which guards the queen, which is twice the size of this guy. Right. And more acid blood. <laughs> Does that yeah. mean the volume of blood is more? 
It's more acid. Oh, it's more like acidic. It's more acidic. Oh, got like, it. More powerful acid flight. And it's even more molecular. That acid is the most molecular. <laughs> it has so many molecules so in many it. Molecules. It's incredible. But like, and so this, the Praetorian apparently is like, if you picture the, the regular alien that you're picturing, like the one that you picture when you picture the xenomorph, and then add like a flat dinosaur looking crest <laughs> on the end of that. So that's that kind of looks is. like a spatula a little bit. That's like what a Praetorian is. Okay, got it. And then the queen... Is huge. It's even bigger than that. Yes. It's huge. And she is 20 feet tall, 53, very specifically for some reason, feet in length. Do they and have tails? Wait, do they have tails? As an ovipositor for like eggs and stuff. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And then I read it has quote unquote high heel protrusions from its feet. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, the You're telling me the queen has high heels. Have high heels for some reason? Like, thanks patriarchy. I mean, it's patriarchy. Hashtag patriarchy. In today's Jesus. edition of patriarchy, the alien queen has heels. Because how else would you know that it's the queen? Aside from that, the fact that it's twenty <laughs> feet tall and fifty-three and feet all the long, eggs, <laughs> and that it lays eggs. But um, apparently, it doesn't need fertilization for the eggs. Oh, so I okay. guess so. Uh, there are no males that are that big. There's <laughs> I'm making a shrug gesture that you can't see, shrug obviously. Okay. This is a podcast, but I'm shrugging at deep. <laughs> okay, okay. And then the queen mother, what do you mean now telepathic through space? So the queen mother is only found on the xenomorph home planet. Oh. It is telepathic. Okay. And it's telepathic through space because it can send messages through yes. space uh-huh. via its telepathy uh-huh. to other queens and praetorians or whatever and tell them to do stuff. Oh, that's good. From their home planet. Can it see what they're doing? I don't know. I don't know if they So what's the idea? There was a queen and she laid a bunch of eggs in this spaceship? I guess that has to be the implication because drones can't lay eggs. Then where did the queen go? I guess I have to watch the next five <laughs> movies that are based in this universe. Or probably read the comics. It's hard to say. Yeah. Like, I don't know where the queen went. Or okay. Many of the steps are confusing to me. I'm also like, how do you... Is there a difference? Like... Because all the eggs ostensibly look the same. Like, when yeah. you see the shot of the eggs, they, oh, yeah, look, they all identical. look the same. And so you're kind of like, and then presumably inside, like, as far as we know, the face huggers all look the same. So I'm kind of like, what develops into a queen? Like, how do you differentiate between these four different types of adult xenomorphs? Yeah, like, what, is there, like, meiosis that, like, happens and some right. become queens and some? I guess we'd have to think about right. the DNA of these aliens. It's probably different than like, ours. Does it depend on, like, the host? Like, the resources available to you from the host, if it's, like, DNA reflexing and, like, incorporating DNA from the host, does that matter? Like, Probably not. I, I, I would say that it's sh- – actually, if, I don't know. If, it, if the host that it attacks is wearing high heels, does it become, <laughs> does it a, become queen? a queen? <laughs> uh, yes. I feel I like that's so, most yes. likely. 100%. Answer, that's most likely. Yep. Most likely. Yep. Okay. Because 100% you'd have high heels in space, obviously. And you have to. There's no reason not to. How else would people know that you're a woman? Yeah, they wouldn't. Um, so that is, I think that's all we have about Also, anybody can wear high heels. This Boys. is just like fucking Anybody can wear anyway. high heels. <laughs> anybody can also not wear high heels. Or wear whatever shoes you want, humanity. <laughs> Don't let patriarchy tell you what shoes you can or cannot, <laughs> cannot wear. wear. Um, so I think that's all we have about the aliens, right? Or xenomorphs. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there needs to be some kind of wrap up about their life cycle, but I think we ranted about it enough, so that's probably fine. Yeah, especially because it goes from egg to full grown thing in like one day. 
Which is impressive, really. Especially since it didn't eat anything for yeah. most or well, all of that I, I time. I think it probably ate the people. Although it still needs to take time to eat them. I know. Ripley finds Parker and Lambert and they're just there. And they're dead. Maybe it like sucks the life from inside out. Using that weird like little mouth inside of its mouth? Yes. Remember how its mouth yeah, okay. can like come out of its head? Yes. That happens later it's in the movie. Creepy. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the resident lounge. <laughs> okay. The resident lounge is basically where we talk about things that we came across during the course of our researching this episode that may or may not be relevant, <laughs> but are usually interesting. So I the one of the things that I read that I thought was interesting and is actually relevant, surprisingly, to the life cycle of xenomorphs and parasites and whatever, is in the initial cut of Alien, apparently, they actually kind of depicted more of the life cycle of the xenomorph, and they had established that it didn't require a queen at all, and instead would cocoon a victim who would then get converted into an egg containing a face hugger through a process called egg morphing. And then they were like, because of time, we're cutting this scene. Well, I'm glad they did, because that's somehow more confusing to me now. Yes, that is definitely more confusing. I'm like, I don't... How? Victims would get that's cocooned. That's my main question. Okay. And converted into an egg. That's less efficient than whatever it is that they did, because you'd have to, like, go around and, like... Well, it's definitely less efficient, because apparently it doesn't need to be fertilized. You could just, like, lay a bunch of eggs and become drones. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean... Like, why would you choose this way? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So, but that was interesting, because I was kind of like, so they had a point in time when they were like, you gotta wrap people up, and then I guess it's, like, spider things, but you turn into an egg? Would you rather know. turn into an egg... <laughs> <laughs> then you're definitely symptomatic. <laughs> yeah, I feel like your that symptom, would 100% be symptomatic. Your symptom being, I turned into an egg. I do think that being turned into an egg is probably less painful than getting face hugged that's and true. chest and bursted. That's true. And then chest bursted, yeah. Those, that's probably less so, painful. Although we don't know. I've never turned into an egg, so who knows? I've never been chase, chest also, bursted either, but... Also true. I can imagine that's pretty painful. I don't need to be chest bursted to, <laughs> to, to understand that. I think. Yeah. So. Um, when I was watching this movie, I kept having to remind myself that this movie is from 1979. And thus is a lot of the things are a reflection of what people knew and were aware of in terms of like technology and how much of that stuff developed yeah, at the time. Yeah, we're having a lot of fun, but you know. Yeah, but it's from 40 years ago. We have ago. more understanding of space and think about things. Yeah. About space more now. And so. also, like, they used even more rudimentary technology to get, like, to the moon 10 years before this movie came out. So, you know, even though we have fancy schmancy technology now. Um, so there were so many, like, funny things. One, as we alluded to, we have no idea why this spaceship is so, so, so wet. So wet. Everywhere. And their weapon of choice is a flamethrower. Um, which also seems very dangerous in space. My, um, I recently... You took a flamethrower into the air vents. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, my understanding of spaceships... Exactly. Is that, like, in order to have humans on a spacecraft, you have to have, like, oxygen. You have all these gases that are, like, extremely flammable. <laughs> so, um, so they use that. Um, there's also, like, lots of computer screens, like, really... I mean, obviously, they look really old. And the way that people are, like showing like oh this is like high tech is just like the characters looking at like screens of numbers and it's just I like i think this is kind of like at the time like before personal computers were actually very common 
Yeah. So I bet that actually looked really high tech. Like at the it time. probably did. Cause there's like the scene where like Ripley is like decoding the message. She's like, it's a warning. And all you see is are like ones and zeros, just like You're random like, ones and zeros. Some and crazy like, space oh, code man, that she I knows don't how understand. To interpret space code. And then like Ash looks at like just columns of numbers and is like, the atmosphere is like X, Y, Z amount nitrogen and this much oxygen. To be oxygen. fair, Ash is a robot. So. So maybe he knows. You know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, we, at the time, could probably we don't know that binary. he's a robot. Well, it wasn't even binary. It was just, like, random numbers. You could probably read um, computer the, gibberish. Yes. We, we, we talked about Ash being a robot. Um, oh, my God. And that was just... That was so strange. Bonkers. The whole scene <laughs> is so crazy. He suddenly has, like, white milk dripping from the side of his head yeah, after he's, I, like, attacking Ripley. I basically started yelling when this happened. I was watching this with my husband. And when we were watching this, he was, like... He also couldn't remember a lot of the movie, but when he saw Ash, he was like, oh, I remember something about this character. And I was like, what? And he was like, oh, I can't tell you. You should just like, you'll find out. Just and we got to this part to and I was like, I was like, why is he filled with milk and spaghetti? Like noodles come out. <laughs> There's like weird like, like noodles with little like, bones on the end. <laughs> and his whole head I'm comes so off. Confused. <laughs> Parker like hits him with something and then his whole head comes off and that's why yeah, I first I realized like, that he's a robot. Like what is But I'm also like weirdly flimsy robot. Yeah. Like very easily it did came not apart. Seems to take a lot of effort to knock his entire head off. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. So Anyway, white I mean, starts coming out of his whole body. I don't know what the white is. I don't know why his lubricant fluid is nobody like Nobody seems to cream. care. Yeah, what and the nobody white seems stuff to is. care. Yeah. Um, there's a whole scene of just Ripley gratuitously being in underwear for a long period of time that's like 15 that sizes least, too small. Yeah, it's so small. Yeah. I was like, Sigourney, girl, this is not necessary. Um, and then yeah. there are strobe lights. I mean, she all probably over. didn't make that choice, but. No, well, yes. Um, sorry, Ridley. This is not necessary. Um, there are, for what? some reason, Ridley oh, yeah, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Not Ripley. Ridley. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for some reason, there are strobe lights all over this spaceship. Like, lots of lights, <laughs> when they break down, turn into strobe lights. Yeah. Um, that's <laughs> not great. For the yeah. viewer, and then, mostly. <laughs> no, that was... I actually kind of could not watch a lot of that sequence, because I was like, this is a lot. I can't really look it's at like this. It gives you a I headache. I can't look at this. This is a lot. Yeah. And then this is... I had, I had a lot of questions about the last... The, like ending sequence i guess so one i kind of understand why you might have to solve a puzzle to self-destruct the spaceship because you don't <laughs> yeah. want to make it easy like i'm i'm like sure you don't want to make it like super easy to like hit self-destruct on a spaceship sure so she like solves the puzzle and then when she solves the puzzle all of a sudden all the halls are filled with air like yeah. weird airs just like blowing out from places like, and a lot I was of like, like really high velocity air is like being like pumped yeah. into all the hallways and i was like presumably if you're forcing people to solve a puzzle in like this one room and you built this spaceship so you know that the shuttle is somewhere else why would you make it so that when they solve the puzzle and then presumably have to get from location a to b you just make it more difficult <laughs> by like shooting see. white mist yeah. into the hall. There's like, also like seems... a weird like you have ten minutes to decide if you don't want to do it, and then after no, that, you have five minutes to decide because after five minutes you can't reverse it. You can't. Re oh, that's right. Yeah. There's just yeah. like weird timing things that I'm like in an emergency. This becomes very confusing. Like there's too yeah, many and things. Then when she did decide that she didn't want to do it anymore, I was kind of like, this is where the self destruction. I mean, there's a lot of places where the construction of this ship doesn't make any sense but i was like whoever constructed this like self-destruct sequence 
it doesn't make any sense that if you wanted to abort the sequence that you would have to reverse solve the puzzle. Like, it kind of yeah. seems like there should be a button for you to be like, cancel, actually. I like, don't want to do this. Like, cancel should be an easier thing to achieve. Yeah, like, cancel should be way easier to achieve yeah, than, like, 100%. self-destructing the spaceship. 100%. So, like, there should have just been a button. And she was like, no, I guess I got to, like, unscrew all these things and push them back into the thing, whatever. And so, like, she can't because it's too late because, again, you have to reverse solve the puzzle. And then she, like, goes to the... Stuff happens. You don't need to know. Like, you've probably already seen Alien. You understand. <laughs> she gets to the escape shuttle. And this is my other question. Ultimately, she, like, puts on her spaceship. I mean, spacesuit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, knows where the alien is, who I guess is sleeping? Question mark. Oh, you mean, there. like, after she's left? Yeah, like, on the shuttle. Yeah. Like, yeah. So maybe it's sleeping. I don't know. He's just sitting. And <laughs> it's not doing anything. And she, like, flips open this panel on the control panel that's literally just a bunch of buttons labeled with different gases and i'm like why is there a panel of buttons here (laughs) where you can just push them and it shoots random gases into the actual environment of the spaceship like listen i don't what is the purpose of this panel the purpose of this panel is how do you make it so that you can kill the alien that is what that panel is for i was like i don't understand because i don't i assume that whoever built the spaceship was not like we got to make sure they have all the gases at their disposal just in case some kind of alien makes it on board and they have to like shoot gas at it from <laughs> random air vents. You need to I make guess, the visibility really poor case. for everyone. And you're like, we got every kind of gas because we don't know what kind of alien it's going to be. So you got to just try like every single button to see what the alien is, I guess, weak against. But like, okay, so either that was the thought process or you were just like, there is some normal thing about space travel that i guess i don't understand that requires <laughs> random gas to be shot into where people are normally normally like, to be like listen i feel like the nitrogen concentration is too low let me just give you a little bit more yeah, let me just like i also think that it wasn't even just because like i could potentially understand if the gases were things like oxygen nitrogen like whatever sure yeah I don't remember exactly what all the gases were. I think I only saw, like, a couple of snippets of when they panned over, like, the labels. And I was just like, none of those seem like gases you would want just (laughs) random people to be able to shoot Shoot into, like, an environment where people are living. No, it does not make a ton, a ton of sense. I'm very confused about why that is even there and who put it there and why. I have a lot of questions for the engineers of the spaceship. Of the spaceship. Also, when she flies away and the thing eventually explodes and explodes like six times, I was yeah, like, I was geez, like, what were they like, transporting? What kind of ore are you transporting? Like, it explodes like geez. so spectacularly so it many was times. a lot. Uh, and she didn't even kill the alien when she did that. No. She just lost all that ore, I guess. She just lost all the ore. Oh, man. What a movie. Oh, 1979. What a time. I'm also just tired from talking about it now. Okay, yeah. let's let's go to the discharge summary. All right. This is the discharge summary, our actual review of the thing. Um, so what are we reviewing today? We're gonna review Let's do let's do Parasite Life Cycle. Parasite Life Cycle in Alien. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna give the Parasite Life Cycle in Alien, I will give it four out of ten uh spaghetti robots in milk. <laughs> um <laughs> And the main reason I'm taking off points is because of its insane uh, accelerated growth in the molt <laughs> after yeah. one molt. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That takes off three points for me. And then I also took off three points for the, the asymptomatic phase 
<laughs> where it is literally taking over your entire abdomen. Yes, that is highly, highly questionable. So four out of ten. Um, okay. Let me think about this for a second. I'm going to get give it three out of ten highly mutagenic fluids. <laughs> Because of highly mutagenic fluid. Because why? Because what? <laughs> because of just that. Minus that seven mean? points for that. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is happening here? Just solely for that one thing. Because honestly, like, I was fine mostly with, like, it just puts an embryo in there. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. Why? Why? Why is it weird cancer fluid? I don't understand. <laughs> like... You're like, Why did I, you make I it was make with you sense? until it was weird cancer fluid. <laughs> yes, I was like, suspension of disbelief, I'm there, it's fine. I get it, aliens, weird parasites, sure. And then you were like, actually, it is not embryos, <laughs> it is tumor fluid. Oh my god. That also uses your own cells, I guess, maybe, to create, to build or something, a chest burster, which I was just like, no, no, and no. And you're no, like, no, I wanted, no, no. I wanted to, I was rooting I for you. you. Yeah, I was rooting for, for you. you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, it is a fun movie. Like I did it's enjoy watching movie. it and it did remind me a lot about like the the first time I watched it. I did not remember the spaghetti milk robot, but I mean like it's, it's iconic for a reason. Yeah, yeah iconic it's movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think now that we've seen a lot more space movies, like, I have a lot more questions, obviously, than I did when I first watched this. Our but. expectations are a little higher. Let's just put it that it's way. True. Yeah. It is true. Okay. Anyway, we do recommend that you watch this movie if you have not, even mm-hmm. though we've spoiled it for you completely now. Yeah. Um, it's 41 years is, old. <laughs> that's true. It's We're spoiling everything, and this one is, like, you should have seen it by now. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, okay. That's all we have for this week. So thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Docs Watch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at DocsWatchPod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com.